You are listening to Forward, a podcast of island readers and writers. This is your host, Taylor Mace. I am so fortunate to have um, Sophie Blackall, two-time Caldecott medalist, overall amazing person, artist, author, joining me. Um, And I'm so excited. And even though I've met the wonderful Sophie in person, she still makes me kind of nervous. So welcome, (laughs) Sophie. (laughs) Hi, Taylor. It's lovely to, to be here chatting with you. I think the last time we were on a windy, windy ferry, uh, going over to Swan's Island, right? We absolutely were. It was a chilly April day, kind of like this. Yes. And two years ago, must have been. And um, going to Swan's Island on a 30-minute ferry ride and then going to that lighthouse, um, the Burnt Coat Lighthouse, which is neat. So we got the chance to go there with all the 30 students or so from Swan's Island Elementary School, and they were just, you know, over the moon that Sophie could be there with them. And I just remember being there and there were several kids with their sketchbooks and they were drawing and just wanting to run up to Sophie and show her and it was just adorable. And so uh, we were lucky to have Sophie do um, the Hello Lighthouse program then. And I know last spring, Um, In 2020, we were scheduled to do that again for some of the outer islands um, that we work with. But of course, that had to be canceled. So that will be shifted up to this fall. And we're so excited to hopefully have you back in the flesh um, and and doing that wonderful, amazing Hello Lighthouse program. Um, Sophie, last year, the most... um, recent book you had come out was If You Come to Earth. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I love the origin of the story. Oh, with pleasure. Uh, If You Come to Earth was a book that was about seven years in the making. It, uh, It is a kid writing a letter to a visitor from another planet explaining the world. If you come to Earth, here's what you need to know. And the idea came to me uh, when I was working with Save the Children. I'm incredibly fortunate that apart from my life as an author and illustrator making books, I also work from time to time with Save the Children and UNICEF and in normal times get to travel to countries like Congo and India and Rwanda and Bhutan. And it was with Save the Children in Rwanda where we had visited a tiny schoolroom on the top of a mountain. It was uh, it was a one one house one room school, and I know you have some of those in Maine. Uh, this one had ten kids in the entire school, and we had to climb the mountain to get there. We walked on this zigzagging path because the the roads had long run out, and all the kids walk up this mountain every day to get to school. And I spent the day with these kids, and and it was as remarkable as spending the day on Swan's Island or with Beals or or with any of your other wonderful small school communities. It was this incredibly rich experience. But as I left them with a bunch of books that I'd made, books about babies and bears and lighthouses, I had this this great yearning to, to have a book I could hand over, which would be about all of us, about them and about me and about the planet we share, because their experience on top of this mountain was so very different to, to my experience living in a in a city, you know, in New York. 
and so different to to your kids, you know, living in islands and and along the coastline and inland and Maine, and and kids all over the world who have these vastly different experiences. And these kids in Bhutan had never seen the sea, and. I wanted to, to, to show them all the different things that they may never have even imagined and also to show them themselves. And so this was this was this idea for a book. How can I show everything in the world and make a book that basically anybody in the world might find something familiar and something exciting and, and new? And so this idea came as, as, well, how would we explain the world to someone who'd never been here? So I wrote the manuscript kind of in one sitting, which often doesn't happen. Like with Hello Lighthouse, I think I wrote 12 or 13 or 14 different versions of it. This one just came out at once, but I had so much research to do. And that's why the book ended up taking seven years, because not only did I travel to, to these countries like, like Rwanda and Bhutan, I then realized that um, as much as I had loved every minute I spent with these kids, we had a communication um, obstacle. Uh, I didn't speak, you know, I speak English and, and some bad French and a, a scattering of Spanish and that's it. And I didn't speak Bhutanese or, or Kigali or, or any of the languages. Um, and so we would draw together and it was, a way that you can communicate without language, which is fantastic. And it's something I've done um, all around the world. And it's amazing how much you can learn about a kid when you draw together and, and they will draw the things that are important to them. And you get a glimpse of their lives and their families and their friends and their community. And yet I wanted to pepper them with questions. I wanted to ask them what uh, what do you love most about the planet? What would you change if you could? What do you want to protect? What what makes you sad? What what are you afraid of? What is the best thing that ever happened to you? I wanted to know all of these things, and and we couldn't quite have those conversations. So, I came back to the U.S. and and then spent the next you know couple of years really in school visits, and I invited myself into a second grade classroom in a wonderful, diverse public school in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn New School. And every Monday morning for six weeks, I would hang out with my 23 new best friends and, and ask them all these questions. What does it mean to be human? And, and they would give me their answers candidly with the words and pictures. And it was all of those experiences that helped make this book. And, and those kids are on, those the, all the people that I met throughout this long journey um, are in the pages of this book because I decided to, to, to make every person that I was drawing somebody I had either seen or who existed for real in the world. So, so the children appear on, the, those 23 kids at the Brooklyn New School appear on the page that is about kids going to school. And so each of them are in that uh, in that drawing, which was a lovely thing to do. As you mentioned that um, the images in that book are taken from people you saw or know, knew or met. How do you, do you do that from memory or do you sketch them after you meet someone? How do you? Yes, it's a whole, it's a whole sort of combination of, of those sorts of things. Um, little drawings, uh, a lot of photographs um, and then sometimes just notes you know I'll, I'm sometimes a little self-conscious drawing in public or you know it feels like on a subway train in New York 
people, you know, know when they're being drawn and not everyone likes it. So, so sometimes I'll just write like copious notes about um, what somebody's wearing or, uh, uh, or a family I've seen and the relationships between them. And mostly I just wanted to show the, the great wide diversity of human existence. And so there's a, there's a page that's all about different kinds of families and, in that page, I wanted to show, I wanted to show big rambling families that you will see sometimes in Central Park or you know at at, at a I don't know at the beach or or anywhere, and you're not quite sure what the family dynamics are. Is that the is that the mom? Is that the dad? Is you know is that an auntie? Is that are there are these all kids? Are there some cousins in there? You, you know you don't you don't know, and 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 we shouldn't ever completely assumed so so it was this sort of mix of this is a family these are people who obviously identify as a family maybe they have blood types maybe maybe they don't even but but I wanted to show all of that so that anybody looking at the book might ask those questions how do these people know each other um this is a family with with two dads here's a family with two mums here's a family with only one kid here's another with many children here's a family where there aren't children um there are so many different ways of of connecting with our other humans and and making a family so i wanted to show that kind of breadth of experience I noticed in If You Come to Earth, there are some of the similar illustrations um, that kind of pop up here and there from Hello Lighthouse. Do you consciously um, include some of the, the similar images from past books? There are little, uh, librarians like to call them Easter eggs. So they're little things to find uh, from one book to another. Um, which which children love to do, and and of course I have things that I loved. I love to draw the sea in all its forms. So it's rare that I do a book that doesn't have water of some kind in it. Uh, and whales are my favorite animals. So so there's almost every whale. I, every every book I have ever done has a has a whale hidden in there somewhere. Uh, sometimes obviously, and other times like in Ivy and Bean, they're they're really hidden. Uh, but um, I, I did, uh, I did want to put. It's, a, it's a book full of details. If you come to Earth, it's, it's, it's a book about everything in the world. So it was a little excuse to put all kinds of little surprises and, and secrets and, and hidden things there that kids will notice, perhaps on the tenth reading or the hundredth reading, or maybe never. Uh, for instance, there's a page about all the different kinds of weather in the world. And it's sunny and windy and rainy and hailstorms and there's a snowy page. And so the kid who is uh, making a snowman is little Peter from one of my favorite books, as of Jack Keats, A Snowy Day. So, so there are all kinds of little nods and, and things on the pages within. Well, I, if you haven't seen If You Come to Earth, it's just absolutely beautiful. And um, you could spend you know hours on each page and it's so wonderful. Um, can we talk about your um, two forthcoming books? Indeed. Um, I also want to tell you that uh, there's a brand new Ivy and Bean book out, which is the 12th and last book. The in last the Ivy and Bean. It is oh the my last goodness. Ivy and Bean. It came out last week. And the author, Annie Barrows, and I spent um, a delightful time with 
uh, some kids doing a Ivy and Bean book club last fall in, in the um, Mount Desert Island region. And we had great fun with kids who were making their own newspapers. Uh, this book, Ivy and Bean, is called Ivy and Bean Get to Work. And it is not about work at all because Annie and I would never make a book about work for kids. It is about treasure hunting. And so we have had so much fun talking to kids across the country about treasure hunting. We've had people submit their the best thing they've ever found. We've had some amazing things that kids have found. Uh, everything from a pair of gold sandals that happened to fit them perfectly that they found <laughs> out on the street to a real gold pirate coin on the beach uh, to tadpoles. You know, the, the, some kid actually found the Grand Canyon, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, then um, the next picture book I have coming out is in, will come out in August, and it is called Negative Cat. And this is another book that was a long time coming. I wrote it when my son was quite small and we adopted a cat. And when we brought this cat home, we imagined that we would be able to cuddle and pet and adore this cat. But this cat was what my son called a negative cat. She was not remotely interested in us or our attentions. She spent a lot of time with her back turned to us. Occasionally she would look over her shoulder and just kind of give us a eh sort of look. Um, she would eat the flowers. She would throw up on the carpet, leave hairballs everywhere. And, uh, and yet we loved her. So I wrote this book about a boy, especially my son, who adored her, even though she would just scratch him and sneer at him. <laughs> we did. We loved her. And uh, so, the, so in the book, A Negative Cat, it is a kid who desperately wants a cat. And on day 427 of asking his parents, they finally give in. They go to the shelter. He chooses a cat. And it, much like ours, turns out to be a negative cat. But I had no idea how to end this book. You know, I had written the whole thing and and I wanted there to be this arc where something happens that uh, the, the, the cat, the parents are ready to give up on the cat. They call the shelter to, to accept it back and the kid just does not want to give up. And, and then something happens. I didn't know what to make happen. And then I read about this extraordinary thing that is happening in shelters across the country. The first one I read about was at Berks County Animal Rescue League in uh, Pennsylvania. And they have a program where kids can come into the shelter and read to cats. They started off with cats and now they've expanded it to dogs. And it's this amazing thing where kids who are learning to read and are maybe you know, wanting to build their confidence can read aloud to cats or dogs who are waiting to be adopted, who perhaps need a little socializing, who perhaps are a little bit negative. And it's this beautiful thing that where the cats and dogs grow to become more comfortable around human beings and the children practice their reading. And, and then of course, inevitably they fall in love and, and cats and dogs get adopted. Uh, but it's just taken off and it's, um, it was, it was waylaid a little bit like everything else by the pandemic, but it feels like it's coming back uh, strongly again. And even if everybody's masked and distanced, they can still read to a cat or a dog. And so this, I had my ending for the book and I've given it away now, um, but it was so much fun to make that book. And, uh, and then the other one is a sort of dreamy, dreamy collaboration with one of my favorite writers, Katie Camillo. And I have loved her books forever. And when this manuscript came into my inbox, I was 
about to leave home for the studio. I had my bag over my shoulder. I had my coat on. I needed to check something on my phone and ping, there was this email with a Kate DiCamillo manuscript attached. And needless to say, my bag slipped off my arm. I stood there in the doorway starting to read and then I just had to give up. I put everything down, took my coat off, sat down at the table and didn't budge until I had read the entire book. And it is extraordinary. It's called The Beatrice Prophecy. And it making the drawings for this book during the pandemic was entering this other world. It was such a um, it was such a joy and a balm to be in that world. It's the story of a girl who has temporarily forgotten who she is, and there's a goat who is determined to protect her and there is a boy who wants to find out all sorts of things and they form this curious trio and they have there's there's I don't want to give too much away but um but it's a book about the power of stories and the power of friendship and it's um it's a it's a magical story there are stories within stories there are wolves and mermaids and 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 princesses and uh and a wicked king and um and i just can't wait for you to read it because i think everybody i'm excited for the children of the future and adults really because it's a book for everyone who will get to read this book well, I can imagine that a Sophie Blackall and Kate DiCamillo collaboration is nothing less than fantastic. So I'm excited to get my hands on that. Um, and Negative Cat comes out August and Beatrice Prophecy in September. Ivy and Bean Get to Work is out now, the last Ivy and Bean. And uh, Sophie, I'm sure you have many other things already on your plate and up um, on the horizon. So, of course, we cannot wait to see them. Um, thank you, Sophie, so much for joining me. Thank you, Taylor. I, I love, I love, I love Island Readers and Writers and can't wait to see you all in person again, hopefully, maybe even this fall. Thank you for listening to Forward, a podcast of Island Readers and Writers. Get our new episodes every other Wednesday by subscribing to Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. For more about Island Readers and Writers programs, visit www.islandreadersandwriters.org.